Okay, so welcome to episode two of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. Um, for those of you who may not have tuned in to, to episode one, we don't come to this space with um, any agenda. We don't come here trying to convince atheists that they should be more spiritual or Christians that they should be less spiritual. I guess we're trying to unpack and constantly explore our experience that um, we had as teenage fundamentalists. And how it could it, even be a kind of therapy, couldn't it, really? We might be sitting here yeah, actually yeah. just sort of unpacking this shit and going, oh, didn't that mess us up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think as we... As we go further along with with these if you know if people are interested enough to listen we can certainly start to talk more about where we're at now and the con context of um of the now and um looking back on what we did go through and how we've actually been able to have that shape us because i think there's a lot of positives in it as well mm. and i think we, we discussed that we wanted this to be episodic yeah that is that it's not necessarily going to be in any sort of order but it's, you know, stories, and, and it's going to be story-based. So, you know, mm. you and I telling stories and then we sort of interact and with each other on, on those stories and then, um, you know, sort of unpack things, yeah. uh, you know, in purpose and meaning, but always trying to at least hopefully find some sort of positive spin, if not a, a neutral spin. So it doesn't be just become a, a slag off yeah, kind of thing. that'd be easy to get into, and it'd be a bit of fun, too, <laughs> let's be honest. Fun. But, but how fun. good it is for us and how much <laughs> people want to listen to that, yeah. Yeah. But look, there's good, there's good in everything, and I think you've got to find the good in everything um, and pull it forward into the the present. But I guess, so in episode one, I, I talked a little bit briefly just about my journey and my, I guess, conversion story is, is a way to, to say it. Um, but in this episode, we want to focus a bit on, on T and how he got to the place that he is almost 40 years ago when he experienced his conversion story. So, T, tell us about yours. Yeah, sure. Well, taking it back even further, you know, 50 years ago was the fact that I was born into a family that was um, what we would, I guess, call nominally religious, you know. Like, they would have a label, which was Anglican, and the kids were all baptised. But um, this is myself and my brothers. But there was no um, confirmation. There was no church attendance, you know, nothing. I can remember my brother had a children's Bible and I, as a kid, said I wanted one. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a very, at a very young age, I was drawn to things religious. Um, and without getting into the whole idea of, you know, reincarnation and coming back again, I was right into this stuff yeah. the minute I appeared on the planet. You know, even from a, mm -hmm. a little tacker, I was, you know, tell me about God and, and this kind of thing. So it was something that was really ingrained in me um, from, from a very early age, but not because of my parents. Right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I know people could argue with that and say, well, actually, no, we can trace it back to here. And, trace, and, and, and I'm open to that, too. But I'm just saying it wasn't, it wasn't for my family. And yet at three and four, yep. I was wanting to know about God and, and this kind of thing from yeah. my parents. It's interesting, isn't it? Like, I, I was similar. Um, I think I was born into a, a spiritual place, but I always had a, a seeking. Like, I'd quite often read stuff around reincarnation and mm. other other unexplained things and things like um, um, spontaneous combustion mm. all, those, mm. all that sort mm. of stuff because it was like the mysterious I was yeah, drawn yeah, to the mysterious sure. so yeah. yeah yeah the supernatural and the um, uh, paranormal is the word yes. I'm looking for yeah I was I was running to that as well um, but my my mother 
had a friend who was involved in Catholic charismatic renewal, mm. which is basically sort of that Pentecostalism speaking in tongues, healing and prophecy and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what that is, just Google it. Um, Pentecostalism. Um, and that was very much my mother's friend's experience. And she, she was telling my mum, and I was oftentimes on um, one side of a conversation, of a phone conversation, so I could hear my mum talking to my friend. Yep. and talking about this this experience. And then I could hear my mother at other times talking to other friends of hers. So she would be telling my my um, my aunties and these kinds of people what this other woman had experienced in her sort of Catholic charismatic thing. And mum was very taken by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, well, more than I think, I know that planted the seeds in me a bit of an openness yep. to speaking in tongues, to... Um, you know, God and Jesus, you know, inter- interfering or um, stepping into this existence, you know. Yeah. So so that was kind of there. And, and at, at what age was this? Oh, gosh, that would have been six and seven, yeah, I reckon, okay. that, I, that I'd heard all this. Quite and early. so I say that because I was primed, Yep. right? And as much as I want to say, hey, I was born with this sort of, you know, wanting to know about things spiritual and everything, at the same time there was definitely a real priming that had happened unintentionally from my parents' perspective, but but it had happened. So um, I was in the school production. I was in year seven. And um, I, I was also, I was in the school band, um, yeah. the school rock band, which which I had started. Um, my brother came home one day and said he was in a band. And in true um, sibling fashion, I was like, well, I'm going to be in a band too. And I went and started a band at school. And uh, it, it was great. It was one of the highlights of my, of my teenage life. We would travel from school to school we would go to youth clubs we would even play rsl clubs and <laughs> and 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 rugby league clubs and things like that um in and around and uh so so this band came to school one day right this, this christian band i didn't know they were christian band whatever that meant right and it was just this band and so we were watching them right this is what we did but the the whole lunch, tuck shop area um you know sort of lunch area for those of you coming in from outside of Australia um, the whole lunch area was just packed with kids and this band got up and they were and I just came in at sort of the last sort of half hour of it yeah uh, maybe not even that 15 minutes and everyone was right into them and they were they were dressed it was the 80s right so they were in like white shirts and white pants with um, sequined um, vests wow yeah yeah so and, was and, that ever fashionable? Well, uh, obviously it was if you were in a Christian band, mm. so probably not. Um, but yeah, they were, I don't know whether they were YWAM, Youth with a Mission, or they were just somehow brought in from some other Christian. And it's obviously now reflecting, I can look at who they were, but back then I had no idea. Yeah. So anyway, they weren't allowed though to do that sort of altar call, come down and give your life to Jesus thing at the yeah. school. So what they were trying to do is invite everybody to the Saturday night youth group that they uh, were going to be playing at, right? And which is what they do, right? They go around and yep. basically they're scalping tickets. So they they did all that. Um, they left. And then the, the concert happened on the Saturday, which I didn't go to. Um, but I was in the school production. And so there was a, there was a group of girls that had gone to, the, um, to this Christian concert. And they, they turned up on the Monday telling this amazing... Basically what it was was this full-on emotionally charged saga of the band was there, the music they played, and then, you know, they would have gone into sort of, you know, probably a a heavy... I'm just 
speculating now, but a heavy string sound and come down and give your life to Jesus, you know, that kind of stuff. And they're American, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, and these girls had done that and they came back telling stories of how their lives had been changed, wow. um, that they'd had this emotional, you know, one of them was just howling and crying and, you know, Jesus had come into her life and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, oh, well, this sounds interesting. Mm. You know, what, what, what's, what's the go here? Um, and so I, I started, I guess that tweaked an interest in me and I started sort of investigating and, you know, listening to their stories. And one of the other girls who had gone, she said, yeah, I went down and gave my life to Jesus as well. But when I got home, my mother told me about when she was young mm. and she had done the same thing. And this girl had, even though she'd gone through it and gone on this big emotional sort of ride and got, I don't want to say carried away, but carried along yeah. with all the other girls. When she got home and her mother said, actually, Darl, this is what happened to me. She was able to just put it down. Ah. And she just put, she was one in the group that had just gone, okay, that was, that was great. And that was amazing. And what an emotional experience. Then she get home and her mum says, well, that's you know, like your dad, right? That's just yeah. bullshit. Yeah. And she went, okay, that's just bullshit and put it down. Yeah. And so even when the girls were telling the stories... Um, she was coming in afterwards and yep. saying, actually, and then this happened, you know, and she was like a PS and almost an, like a whisper, like she didn't want to be mm. seen to be against the other girls. But the other girls were telling stories of Jesus coming into their lives and tears and emotional and, oh, you know, and, you know, electricity sh shooting through their body and all this. And as I said, I was really, you know, excited about that. So what happened after that was... Um, I started, there was a thing called the ISCF, Interschool Christian Fellowship, which was run by the Baptist Union, Scripture okay. Union, back in the 80s. And um, what our woodwork teacher, I'm going to call him Mr. C, um, and Mr. C was running, was running that. Um, and we used to hear announcements, you know, through at announcement time every day in school. So I'm in high school, I'm in year seven. Yeah. And we used to hear announcements all the time that the, the ISCF are meeting today at 12.15 in the, you know, in the woodwork room and... Um, and so I started going along to that oh. to see, you know, where's this electric charge and it's going to make me cry and it's going to be amazing and where's all this. So I went along and there was, um, and I took my mate, um, I'm going to call him Jay. Yeah. And Jay, um, he didn't know why we were there. You know, he's just following along with me. And we went along to this, um, to this group. And I remember that Mr. C was t talking to all the kids in the group about how do we get more kids to come? Mm. And so he's obviously wanting to boost the numbers of his ISCF group. And again, looking back from having been a fundamentalist, I knew exactly what he was doing. Yep. But the irony be was that two new guys were there. And instead of actually stopping and talking to these two new kids, he just carried on and had this meeting about how we're going to get more kids to come. Yeah. Um, so we, we sort of sat there and what the hell is this? This is, you know, this is not interesting at all. But, and, and, and that probably would have been it. But at the very end, he said, oh, by the way, the camp's coming up. And then he threw down these leaflets, these photocopied leaflets with hand-drawn pictures on them about this scripture union camp that he was running. And, um, and my friend and I, we had actually just started the Scouts. Uh, and we were like, camp, cool. Uh, and so we grabbed the, the stuff. And it was actually my, fr my friend Jay who said to me, let's go to this. This, this looks like a lot of fun. And we're reading the, the brochure and it said, you know, hiking, surfing, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. You know, so we um, were thinking that's what we're going to do. So we went home, talked to our parents. Our parents said yes. 
Um, there may have been an argument, there may have been a push, there may have been tears, why not, I hate you, you're not the boss of me, maybe not, I can't remember. But anyway, we went. And we went on this camp and, my God, talk about a drag. Really? Oh, Just it was... Didn't live up to those expectations. Oh, no, no, no. Look, in fairness to them, it did rain, right? Mm. So I guess that maybe put a, an end to their surfing, hiking and all this kind of stuff. But I didn't see any surfboards or pack backpacks or anything, you know? It was all... Basically, it was like home group Bible studies. Cool. We'd have, you know, Bible studies and activities, and then we'd have a meal, and then we'd have Bible studies and activities, and then we'd have a meal, and then at night we'd have these sort of mini concerty things where people would sing and do it. It was, it was Baptist, right? And it was just like so. No dancing. There was no so, dancing. There was no raising no, of hands. No. no. But it was like two days of intense Bible studies and this kind of thing. And so my mate Jay and I, we we. After the first day, we were like, nuts. So day two, which was the Sunday, we, we started disappearing. Yeah. We're going down to the beach, right? And, and, and they'd come looking for us. What are you two, you know, come back, guys, and all this kind of stuff. And we'd be like, oh, so we'd have to go back and sit there. And I remember um, them, them talking with us, you know, and, and sharing these Bible studies and all this kind of stuff. And, and um, Jay and I were writing to heavy metal and music and that kind of thing. And so we're quoting, um, you know, the police, the band, you know, we're, we're yeah. quoting song lyrics back to them. You know, they're, they're quoting Bible verses to us. And we go, yeah, you know, really. And they're talking about like Jesus being the servant teacher or the servant master and all this. And I said, yeah. So it's very much like, um, uh, what's the line from the police song where he says, um, I think it's from Synchronicity where he says, then you'll find your servant is your master. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. You're getting it. And I wasn't getting it. I was just quoting the police and the band. Um, Sting is a very spiritual man. Well, yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, and and that Mephistopheles is not your name, but I know what you're up to just the same. Same song. Um, Anyway, so yeah, we we, we went home and and that was it, right? It was like, well, thanks. And because it was a three-day camp, I should say, there was a Monday. And then we finally got out of there and it was like, well, that's Christianity. Yeah. Great. Tick. No. You know, like vote no. Put it at the bottom of the... Of the um, of the list done, and and that was that for the longest time, um, and I just you know kept going with my sort of you know early eighties heavy metal Van Halen Ozzy Osbourne scare myself to death with all that sort of devil stuff yeah. you know backward masking oh, play your you, records backwards did you get oh, your records backwards yeah play yeah. my records backwards yeah. and, and we'd hear it go you know we'd sit there and go Natas 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 and you play it backwards and go Satan 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 and I remember saying to my friend it says Satan and he says no it's it's a type of cloth he's saying Satan <laughs> right or it's a planet right why does it have you know you read into this shit yeah. um, and especially when you're a kid so. So that was that. And then later on, I made friends with another kid. His name was G. And um, G was selling... First of all, he had a Commodore 64. Oh, and so I would go to his flash. place after school and play computer games. I had an Atari. He had a Commodore 64. His mother wasn't home, so we basically had full run of his place and we could play video games and it was great. And uh, he was also... He'd also started a business where he was selling lollies. Mm-hmm. He would go and buy um, lollies in bulk. And then come to school and sell them on to other kids. Smart, smart little bugger. Mm. Um, but he said to me, hey, I'm going on this Christian camp, on this it's camp, this church camp in, in school holidays. You want to come? And I'm like, no, nah, been there, done that. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, why? Why not? And I told him why. And he's like, no, no, this one's not like this. This one really will be. We will do fun things. We will go surfing and hiking and all that kind of stuff. And there will be, there'll be a little bit of God stuff, but not a whole lot will be amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I went along on this camp with him. And this was a group called the Revival Centres. Then they were called the Revival Centres of Australia. Yep. 
And they were somewhat different from the group, from the AOG Assemblies of God that you and I ended up in, yeah. although they had come from from the same pot, you know, like yes. years before, sort of in the 40s, they'd sort of, 1940s, they'd sort of broken away. Um, but we were, I was waiting for the, um, the the meeting, as they called it. They This group, they didn't call it services or sermons. It was meetings and talks. And uh, okay. this is why they they weren't religious, you know. We, we, don't, have ser- we don't have services. We have meetings. Mm. We don't have... Um, sermons we have talks because we're not religious totally religious right um, this guy sat down with me and he started showing me in the Bible um, and probably much like when you went to yours you know people start talking to you about stuff and you just really don't get it but he started talking about this thing about speaking in tongues yeah and he says you know you can become a Christian and speak in tongues and and that got me interested again right because mm-hmm. it was like okay maybe I'm not going to cry and have this emotional electric jolts and stuff but i can get this thing called speaking in tongues yeah so i i played long and i you know went up they said does anyone want to you know at the end of the meeting like yours does anyone and, you know and this is all kids yeah but right you know leaders were all adults um does anyone want to come up and so I, I went up at the end of the meeting and they told me to say hallelujah over and over really fast i'm standing in this row of kids and everyone's just going hallelujah 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 and they're all standing next to me and we're all going hallelujah hallelujah you know they're going come on come on you know god fill him with the holy spirit and all this kind of stuff and 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 then you know and then there's i hear these people speaking in tongues right and i was just like what you know and then i not, nothing happened to me yeah okay. and, that, and that was sort of the end of that sort of service and um but that was it I was you're, hooked. You're hooked. Yeah, yeah, because it was like there's this spiritual thing, and it was unlike the unlike the other one where you know you you, you pray a prayer or ask Jesus into your life and nothing, and you don't feel anything. Mm. Um, this time was like no, no, no. That's not being a Christian. Being a Christian is you get something, yeah. which it took me back to what had happened with these these girls in the. Um, and this, my dogs are chewing on things right now. That's what that noise is. Let me just move that away. Um, so, so yeah. So later on. In, in that week, because it was a week-long camp. Wow. Yeah, and, and I was really starting to connect and really starting to feel a part, and it was very exciting, and they are all talking about the love of God and God in your life and speaking in tongues. And Funny enough, not a whole lot about Jesus. Yeah, okay. It was a lot more about speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit. the product. Yeah, and all this kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, um, but there was, there, was a, there was a girl there that I started to develop a crush on, and it was, it was, it was just really, really cool. And so... Towards the end of the, the week, I realized if I don't get this tongues thing, I may miss my chance. Yeah, okay. So I went to one of the, the leaders and I said, um, how do I get it? And he said, get what? I said, get what you've got. And he goes, you mean you want to speak in tongues? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, let's go and see the pastor. So we went to see the pastor who himself was sort of you know in his 20s or something. Um, he wasn't a youth pastor. He was just a pastor of this um, smaller town where the camp was held and he was sort of visiting. And um, so he said, come on. And he, and he took me into his cabin because it was, and like nowadays you wouldn't get away with it, right? No, Taking right. a young boy into your cabin with you and speaking in tongues. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this was the 80s. And so, yeah, he, he and I sat there, well, got on our knees and started praying. And he was telling me to say hallelujah over and over and all this kind of stuff. And I was doing it over and over. And then eventually, and he's going, let your tongue change. Don't worry. Don't, you know, and it totally coached. Oh, yeah. Totally coached into what speaking, you know, there was nothing spontaneous there was no just asking for it and being struck by lightning or anything like that it was just saying hallelujah over and over and saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, you know and then eventually um he's just you know just let it go just let it go you know and all this and and then eventually it was you know yonder yonder blah 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 whatever and then he said that's it you've got it right 
But after sort of half an hour of just constantly going hallelujah, 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 to all of a sudden have this sort of quietness, this sort of, oh, you've got it, you know. That was tangible. Yeah, okay. But it was tangible in, a, I think, and I'm not saying he was doing it on purpose, but it was, it was, it was manipulated. It was, it was yeah. fostered, you know, by, you see the Rajneeshis from, you know, I don't know if you know, remember the orange people, and they jump yes. up and down for half an hour going, ah, and then they just stop and just feel. And, you know, of course you're going to feel something. It's like a completely change in mood, complete change. In... And so, yeah, at the end of that, he said, that's it. You've got it. And so I, I sort of convinced myself that, yeah, I could feel something. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want to miss out. And, and then he told me, and then I was able to speak in tongues now. Right? I could just turn it on and turn it off. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that was it. And so I had it. And so I went home. And much like you told the story of your brother's, I went home and said, hi, mum and dad. Um, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. And by the way, you're going to hell. <laughs> um, and you need to do it too. Otherwise, you're going to burn that in hell. Would, that would have been um, taken quite well, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they received yeah. that really well, as you, as you could imagine. Mm. Um, and I think at that moment, they probably thought, oh, my God, what's happened to our, our son? Yeah. Yeah. So that, mate, was my conversion. Um, I mean, I can, I can, you know, and we can talk about it a little bit later on you know, as, as we sort of do this sort of in an episodic sense and tell some of the things that happened in that group because they were a cult. Yep. They were hardcore cult. Um, certainly the groups that you and I were involved in, we can say had cultishness things about them, yep. but this group was a hard, hard and fast cult and they Didn't had nothing to do with any other groups and any yeah, other churches. Okay. And... Do they still exist? Yeah, yeah, they still exist. They've, okay. they've had multiple splits, which is what happens with cults. So you've got... Um, the revival, one, one group, the original group called themselves Revival Centre Church. Yep. Not Revival Centres of Australia anymore. They're called okay. Revival Centre Church. There's another group called Revival Fellowships International. Okay. Um, and that's actually the one that I was brought into in, in the city that I was in. They went off with the Revival Centres, the Revival Fellowships International. Okay. Um, not that this matters. And then the, there's another group called Christian Assemblies International, and they had a whole expose done by Four Corners and, oh, wow. and all kinds of stuff as well, yeah, because they, they, they took the whole cult thing to an even further extreme. But, yeah, that was my that was my conversion, my conversion into Christianity and calling myself a Christian and, you know, attending church. I got baptised yeah. in that group. Similar to my one? Yeah. Or... No, 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 no. It was We had to wear white robes and oh. it was in the building. Wow. Um, but you know what was interesting about that? When I got dunked and I was baptised in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, you know, and they, they dunked me and I came back up, um, I got out of that feeling like electricity all over me, like just yeah. like a buzz, you know. Okay. But whether that was because I had tapped into something spiritual or whether that was because I had just sat there in a bathtub in front of a whole auditorium full of people yeah. and, you know, there was music and all that kind of stuff, probably the latter. Um, but, yeah, I definitely felt something getting yeah. out, of, out of that experience. So the, the question begs, you're in a white robe. Did it have rhinestones or sequins like the rock star? Christian rock star. No, no, it no, was just okay. it was just a, a white a robe. I can't remember whether it um, buttoned at the front or the back, um, uh, but yeah, it was definitely a, a white robe. But interesting enough, I remember when I um, was talking to the other people that were baptised afterwards, because um, there was a few of us that day, and one of the other guys described that he said, "I just feel this light." He said, "Like mm. I just feel not this light. I feel light, and I feel this buzzing around me, which was what I felt yeah, okay. as well." So we sort of had that same. That same feeling, but yeah, that was the beginning of uh, you know four 
three, four, five years in a religious cult. Mm. Um, but that can be stories for another time, I guess. What, what did it mean? You were saying, you know, it was the moment you became a Christian. What did that mean in, at that time? Like, what did that mean for you? The, for me, at that moment, it meant I belonged to this group. Yeah. You know, I'd had this whole week where these people, they had love-bombed me. Yeah. You know, the kids had love-bombed me. The, and, you know, what I mean by that is just very accepting and very welcoming and you could do no wrong and everything you did they were like yeah mate you know great praise god and you know all this kind of stuff mm. so i belonged to that group yep. in that week um and then speaking in tongues in that on that camp and everything meant that i really belonged yeah um and i was always the sort of kid that was happy to speak publicly and all that kind of stuff which is very much um encouraged in that um in that sort of group yeah so i was an extrovert and they and they loved me for yeah. that um and yeah but yeah I, be- I belonged to that group um i was not going to hell not that i ever thought i was yeah you know that they, they had built that into me it's like oh if you don't do this you'll go to hell by the way here's this oh great okay get that now i'm not going to hell but i never thought that i was going to hell before mm. that you yeah know? so um yeah look, talk about primed yeah yeah primed by the group in that week and then you know went on for a, a number of number of years with that group Certainly a, um, a tale that we need to explore more. There's lots of stuff in it. There's lots of... Um, I'm sure that bundled within that, there's plenty of stories and plenty of experiences which people would relate to, but I'd imagine that a lot of people relate to that. I mean, I, I look at the similarity between what was the bits that hooked both of us independently in different situations was the acceptance, mm. was the love, was mm. the... Hey, you are um, you are accepted as part of us. You mm. have become part of us. And that- well, you know, man, I, I, talking about that, my father had been mili- was military at that stage, and so we moved every few years. Yeah, and I had just come back from America. Okay, um, and I had just been transplanted into this Australian city um, with an American accent, which yep. wasn't hugely popular in Australia in the eighties, um, especially in this town where I was. And, um, and so I was really craving that acceptance as yeah. well. And these people accepted me right, right from the start. Yep. Yeah. Did, did they accept you for who you were, do you think? Or were they accepting you for who they wanted you to be? Well, remembering that they're a cult. Yes. <laughs> right? so, so at the time, I thought they were just accepting me. Yeah. But of course not. I was, I was a, a scalp. Do you know what I mean? That they yeah. had, or, or a notch on a belt. Or, you know, a, a number that they could re- re- report. And as a matter of fact, the day of my baptism, which, had, which we went back to the, to the, to the mother church back in, this, in, the, in the town where we lived, not the camp. And they um, were re- reporting about the number of children that had been filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues and saved and all that. You know, and I was, I was one of that number. Yeah. So their agenda is certainly to bring people in. Um, they do think that they do, they did think that they were doing the right thing by people saving you from hell, and mm. they wouldn't have called it hell, but you know that kind of thing from sort of eternal damnation. Yeah. Um, but they, the, the feeling that I had was acceptance of me as a person, but of course not. No. No, and and the numbers game is very real. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this another time. But uh, as I got more and more involved in the scene, 
quite often when you were behind the scenes and you were part of that um, leadership group, I mean, the, the language that I would hear quite often was, oh, we got eight saved tonight. Mm. Or, or how many souls? Brother? How many souls, that's how right. Souls? And, you know, some nights it was, you know, you'd have a rally there or something and mm. you'd get a bunch of newbies in and it was like, we have 38 saved tonight. What a mm. cracking night. So it was interesting. It was a numbers game. Um, and, you know, whether, whether it was just how people m- measured success I don't know, but uh, it was certainly numbers bounced around a lot. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Mm. Well, let's let's unpack a lot of this, you know, as we go. I think, um, you know, like we talked before about jumping backwards and forwards in in the story is fine. We're going to do it sort of from from an episodic, in an episodic sense. Um, and you know, doing what we did today as well as t- trying to look at it. What did it look like when you were there, yep. and what does it look like looking back? Yeah, um, because that can be really, uh, you know, contradictory and. And certainly, yeah, eye-opening. Um, yeah. No, that sounds good. And, uh, you know, I've certainly got some stories about, you know, others in my life and my parents and my dad with his famous catch cry of, this is bullshit, actually uh, coming into the bullshit. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, well, my mum too. My mum too, yeah, um, yeah. albeit briefly. And, and, you know, just to sort of whet people's appetite... I think it'd be really cool to talk about the time that um, you were involved in working at and promoting of DC Talk touring uh, Australia. Yes, yes. Yeah, that that's going to be really cool because because yeah. I've got to say I you know I, I well I'm not going to say whether I call myself a Christian now or not. Let's forget about that. But I still love that music because it was so much a part of who I was oh, then. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'd be interesting to hear your stories about that. Yes, sure yes. At some stage. That was fun. Cool. All right, right, mate. So let, let, let's wrap there and then, you know, we'll, we'll see how we go with episode three. Um, we plan to release this weekly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye out on your favourite podcast platform for, for this podcast. I was a teenage fundamentalist. I'm T. I'm B. And we'll see you next time.